Good to finally be with you. I was sitting in my office about a month ago, it seems like, and uh, Pastor Dustin was in there and we were talking about, uh, what do you preach for a last service? You know, Holy Spirit, what do you really want me to say? Um, Pastor Dustin began to share some things. He shared a title with me that his grandfather had shared with the church that he was pastoring on his last Sunday. And as he began to share that, and then all of a sudden it just felt like the Holy Spirit was connecting that thought process with us. And, and so today I want to share something from my heart. And I'm going to use that title. This is not obviously the message, but the title is this. God has a plan. God has a plan. Ever had a plan? No? If you fail to, if you, uh, fail to plan, you plan to fail. Is that the old saying? One of my favorite TV shows growing up in the 80s was The A-Team. Anybody remember The A-Team? I used to be able to quote that whole thing. In 1972, a crack commando unit was sent to military court for a crime they didn't commit. These men promptly escaped from maximum security stockade to the Los Angeles underground. Today, still wanted by the government, they survive as soldiers of fortune. If you have a problem, if no one else can help, and if you can find them, maybe you can hire the A-Team. Ba-ba-ba-ba, right? <laughs> I impressed myself. How about that? Is that amazing or what? Um, One thing that was so great about that show was the fact that nobody ever died. Did you ever pick up on that? I I remember watching that show. Man, they had guns blazing, everything else. Nobody ever died. They would flip cars. Cars would blow up and catch on fire. They'd run helicopters into the side of mountains. And all of a sudden, at the end of it, somebody would be staggering out. You know, and just kind of get out and they'd put them in handcuffs and <laughs> take them off to jail. You know, the A-team had won again, you know. And at the end of every episode, Hannibal Smith, Colonel Hannibal Smith, had a famous saying. And if you've ever watched the A-team, you could probably say this with me. I love it when a plan comes together. <laughs> Remember that? Sometimes... Um, as you're watching the show, you're thinking, what, what in the world is planned <laughs> this time, right? Doesn't make any sense. You know, sometimes uh, I think that we have that same thought process with God. God, what is your plan? Because <laughs> I don't understand and it doesn't make sense. You know, I look at Scripture and I think there's some really good examples of some different stories that... You look at and you just wonder, what in the world was God's plan here? I look at the life of Joseph. I'm pretty sure that he had that same thought. Joseph was a a guy who had a dream about his brothers and he made the mistake of telling them about it. (laughs) And when he told them about it, they got angry with him and they threw him in a pit. And then they ended up selling him into slavery. Uh, He was falsely accused of attempted rape. He was sitting in prison for years in that cell. And I've got to think he's been asking, God, am I hearing you right? What's this plan? Was that dream really you or was it just some bad pizza? God, I don't understand. I'm, I'm sitting here in this jail cell and I don't see a way out of this. God, what's your plan? Think of a a story of a guy named Gideon. Gideon had some moments when he probably thought that as well. Gideon says, man, I got 32,000 men. Um, I'm getting ready to go for battle. And and how many of you know, probably, yeah, that's that's great. And God says, you've got too many men. (laughs) And Gideon's probably saying, what? 
is that even possible to have too many men? How, how many like to play Risk? The game Risk. Anybody ever play the game Risk? When I'm playing the game of Risk, I want as many armies and as many men as I've got to attack somebody, right? I don't want to do with one or two. I want as many as I can because I don't want there to be a second guess if I'm going to win or not. And so God dwindles down his army from 32,000 to 10,000. And then he says this, you still got too many. Then he gets it down to 300. And God says, well, that sounds about right. Really? I don't understand your plan here. God tells uh, Gideon, he says, listen, if you're afraid, take your servant with you. How many of you know I took my servant with me? You know why? Because the Amalekites, the people they were fighting, the Bible says this, that they, the number of the Amalekites was as the grains of sand on the seashore. Verse 300. <laughs> God, what in the world is your plan? Right? There are times also in Scripture when people heard God's plans and they didn't like what they heard. Maybe you've been in that situation before. People like Habakkuk, who God, God, Habakkuk's praying to God. He said, God, I don't understand what's going on. God says, listen, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to raise up your enemy. What? That's not what I want. Or the disciples, I'm reading through the Gospels, and the disciples didn't like it when Jesus told them that he was going to have to die. Wait, 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 wait. No, 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 no. God, that's not my plan. Your plan needs to conform to our plan. How many times have we said that in your life? I think that's sometimes how we approach that. God, your plan needs to conform with my plan. But how many know God's plan is often different than ours? His ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. There's a passage of Scripture that probably many of you know. So we're going today, Jeremiah 29, 11. Many of you maybe even have it up on your house. On a, they, they like to make this and put it. If you go to Hobby Lobby, I'm sure you'll find a nice little thing, decor stuff. It has this passage of Scripture on it. And it's something that probably most of us are familiar with. The verse goes something like this. For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. Plans for peace. And not for evil. Plans to give you a hope and a future. The plans I have for you. Did you know that God has plans for you? He's got plans for you individually as well as a church and corporately. He's got plans for you. Sometimes those plans will cause you to trust God in a way that maybe you've never done before. Sometimes he might, you might be asking this question, God, what in the world's going on? I don't, I don't understand this plan. You ever been there? Today I, I want to give you some thoughts and as we close this time today. And, and the thoughts are this, how do I see God's plan come to fruition in my life? How do I see God's plan come to fruition in my life. The first thought that I have in that way is this. Number one, we've got to surrender our plans. If you're going to see God's plans come to, together into fruition in your life, you've got to surrender your plans. I think our troubles start when our plans are more important than God's plans. 
We want to follow our agenda more than we want to follow His agenda. Because after all, our plans make sense to us. I can actually see how my plan is going to work out. Sometimes, to be honest, I can't see God's plan. Have you ever been there with God and His plan? I know I have. I know I've been there in my life where God says, Hey, listen, I want you to just take a step of faith and trust me, even though you can't see the end. Even though you can't see what's ahead of you, because I want you to grow in me in this. But sometimes with us, what do we do? We're like, God, I can't see that. I can only trust what I can see, right? But at the end of the time, as we look at Hebrews, Hebrews says that faith is not like that. Faith is not trusting in stuff that only you can see. Faith is trusting in the things you can't see and still believing. I can't always see God's plan, but I can always know that he's got my best interest at heart. The problem is usually taking a step of faith is often scary. Because God is having us to abort our plan. And here's the second thing that we have to do to surrender is this, to get out of our comfort zone. Oh, get out of our comfort zone. I like comfort. I do. One thing I've noticed in, in this whole packing process, we took probably two of our most comfortable chairs to Indiana early. And then we ended up getting COVID. And so we're sitting in this old recliner. It's not even a recliner. It's an old rocking chair that my great-grandmother passed down to us. I mean, this thing is old. It's probably dates over about 100 years old. And that is one of our main chairs now. Oh, it was rough. I'm not going to lie. It was rough. We've got folding chairs that we're using to prop our feet up with a pillow. We're sitting in... I want you to feel sorry for me. Are you there yet? We've sold three couches. We've done... And so, if you come to our house, bring your own chair. All right? And so, we're trying to get comfortable and sit down. And we've got this... This chair in, in the room where, where the TV is. And so I'm trying to watch a football game in this chair and it's just not working. Because it's not comfortable. And so you're, oh, 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 finally I just get up. I say, this is ridiculous. And I got to try something different. Why? Because we like our comfort. And I think we like our comfort too when it comes to the things of our life, to our agendas, to our plans, to who we are and what we do. We like the comfort because it gives us cushy, but sometimes God wants to get us into that old antique chair. Sometimes God wants to get us into that place where we're not comfortable anymore because it's at that place that we really trust Him. It's at that place that we really say, God... It's not about me. It's, not, it's about you. It's not that I want you to increase and I want me to decrease. Isn't that what John the Baptist said? He's got to increase. I've got to decrease. And that's that whole thought process of surrendering our plan to him. So to see 
fruit, uh, God's plan to come to fruition, we've got to surrender ours. The second thing is this, and I'm going to say something probably here that's going to step on your toes, but that's okay. I figure this is my last time. Right? The second thing is, if you're going to see God's plan to fruition, you've got to stop complaining about where you are. Oh my, I got silent in here. This is a big one. I don't like what's going on now. I don't like what's happening now. So what do we do? We start to complain about everything and everyone. And I think that that's one thing that the devil is using to gain momentum in churches all across our country today. We complain about masks. We complain about leadership that God's put in place. Complain about the fact that life is done the is not done the way that we're used to doing it, because we liked it the way it was before. I'll be honest; I used to, I, a lot of things we take for granted, don't we? We fall in love with the method, and we forget that methods change. It's the mission that that never changes. The mission of loving God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, following Him, obeying Him, serving Him, loving others, seeing people won to Christ, reaching out to people. It's the mission that never changes. The methods change. How we do that changes. My wife was sharing her devotion with me this week, and that devotion stated something that I hadn't thought about for quite some time. It's this. It stated the fact that complaining is actually sinful. I thought that was interesting. That our complaining actually breaks the heart of God. Uh, You know, then it gave some biblical examples. You, You think about the children of Israel when they came out of Egypt. Oh my goodness, if there was a group of complainers, right? And they're complaining, actually, if you look at Scripture, they're complaining, grieved the heart of God. They come out of Egypt and everything is different, right? Everything's different. So what do they have? They have the same meal, every meal. Oh, that would get old, wouldn't it? They had the same meal for every meal. They, they're just wandering around circles and Moses can't do anything right. And man, we just liked it better in Egypt. Mm. We liked it better in slavery. We liked it better in bondage. And it says that their complaining grieved God. And I wonder sometimes if our complaining does the same. If it grieves the heart of Almighty God. If we're going to follow God's plans, I guarantee you this, that there's going to be some difficult roads along the journey. I guarantee you that you will not always know what in the world is going on. And I also guarantee this, that you will not be in control. But if you're truly following Him and seeing His plans come to fruition... You're following Him and doing it with Him together without complaining. There's a passage of Scripture. It's in Ephesians 4, 29, and it says this, Let no unwholesome word proceed out of your mouth, but only that which is good for building up, that it may give grace to the listeners. 
And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God in whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, outburst, and blasphemies with all malice be taken away from you. And be kind to one another. Tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ also forgave you. It's not by accident that that little verse in there that says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit of God is in the midst about how you talk. It's not by accident. Remember that. You want to see God's plans come to your life? Man, don't complain about where you are now. Allow Him to move forward in your heart. Third is this. We've got to desire His plans. His plans have to become our desire. You remember where we started? That whole question, thought process, God, what in the world are you doing? God, where in the world? What's going on? There's one thing that we have to realize, and that's this, is that God is the master planner. He's the master planner. God knows what He has in store for your life. He knows what He has in store for this church. He knows what He has in store for this community. God knew that this day was coming because He orchestrated the timing of it. Can I just... I'm going to kind of reminisce. I'm going to share a few things, okay? Just because I'm not the pastor of this church doesn't mean that God doesn't have a plan. Joe Summers is not the master planner. God is. And when we collectively and individually will begin to follow the Holy Spirit's leading and submit to His authority and His agenda, and we we can rest assured that His purposes and visions and plans that He has given for this body and us as individuals will come to fruition. I believe God has a plan. He had a plan for a community center. I still believe God has a plan. God has a plan. He has a vision. I want this church. I'm so grateful that God has used us in this season. And I pray that this church has been transformed into what God wanted it to be. Not what I wanted it to be, but what He wanted it to be for the last 14 plus years. I've come to the realization of this. That I've completed my role in His plan. But the plan doesn't die. Because it's not mine. It's God's. It's not my church. It's God's church. He's the master planner. I'm so grateful for what God's blessed us to be able to do. In the, since 2006 when we became your pastor. I believe God's ordained this time. We felt from the day that we came and you voted us in. That we were exactly where God wanted us to be. He orchestrated this time according to his design and we've been able to see some great things I've looked around and yesterday we went for a little walk around the block and we walked around the building and just thankful for what God's allowed us to do we've looked at some pictures of what the building looked like before we got here it looks a little different today 
than then. I'm thankful. I think I stopped to think back of what God's done and, and how we've been able to go to Meadowbrook High School and start a Christian group there. God's allowed us to do that. Fellowship of Christian Athletes at Meadowbrook High School. And then God began to do, use that. And next thing you know, what happened is Buckeye Trail started a group and John Glenn started a group and Cambridge started a group. Thank God for that. It's not my plan. That was his plan. I thank God for what he's allowed us to do in our community. We've had fall block parties. We've probably given out semi-truckloads full of candy over the last 15 years. It's been amazing. It's been awesome how we've touched the community. And if you ask anybody in the community about Bisville Assembly of God, they'll tell you good things about this church. It's awesome. That's God's plan. Not mine. I've been able to, God's opened doors for me to be able to share on our uh, park board down at the village. Um, I was just thinking this week, the mayor of Byesville called me to check on me yesterday to see if I was okay. Are you kidding me right now? The mayor. How many times has that happened? We've been blessed. God's done some great things. And there's an old song that I'm not going to sing for you, but it goes, God has done great things, but the next verse of it is what? He will do greater things. I believe that. It hit me, honey, when you were talking about that field and how it was plowed, that God called us to come and plant seed. God called us to come to plant seed. And we were fortunate enough in 15, almost 15 years to see some of that seed grow. But I also believe that some of that seed's not quite grown yet. Paul said it this way. I planted, Paul, Apollos planted, I watered, but who gave the increase? It was God. Each one of us has a role to play. And I'm grateful for the role that I've had to play. I encourage you, keep moving forward with the master planner because he's moving about pieces to bring about his plan. And it's going to come to fruition if you'll just submit to him, not complain, surrender, and follow his leading because he's the one that's going to put all this together. One day, yeah, I know, we're going to, this is, for us, this is our last service together as your pastor. But one day, none of this, you're going to look back on this day and you're going to think, wow, that's just a blip in the radar. Because you see, one day we're all going to gather around the throne of grace. And we're going to throw our crowns before the one who gave his life for us. And we're going to hug each other. And we're not going to say goodbye anymore. We're going to say, come on, let's enjoy heaven together. I remember 15 years ago when I came, my hair was a different color. See what you people did to me? I'm kidding. My hair was a different color. My family was about that tall, maybe a little bit taller, Cameron. But, and I think back of how God's blessed us. And I stand amazed. 
at that. And I thank you so much. Again, gratitude has been on my heart. Thank you so much for that. As I kind of finish this up today, Pastor Dustin comes to the piano. I think the most important part of the passage that we read today in Jeremiah are the verses that follow verse 11. Because it tells to us the requirement to follow the plans that God has for your life. Verses 12 and 13 read this way. Then you shall call upon me and you shall come and pray to me and I will listen to you. You shall seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Church, if there's one thing that I pray that you'll do, it's this scripture right here. That you will seek after God with all of your heart. Because when you seek after Him, you will find Him. And when you find Him, then and only then will you experience the plans that He has for your life. I'm excited to hear what God's doing here. Don't think you're getting rid of me that easy. We're going to keep in touch. I'm excited to hear what God's going to do. I'm excited for what God has for us. And while I'm sad that this day has come, I try to keep in my mind again that this isn't forever. Keep serving the Lord. Keep going after God. Keep obeying obeying His voice. Heavenly Father, today, it is that heart of gratitude that God, today, I am so humble to stand before you. It has been a privilege, God, to serve this church as their pastor. It has been a blessing for the friendships and the relationships that we've made. I thank you, Lord, for how they've touched our life in ways that maybe they didn't even know they were doing at the time. But God, they have blessed us and they've touched me and my family. And today I am so grateful for that. Today I pray that your plans would come to fruition for this body. I pray, God, that you would move in such a way that that which is ahead is greater than that which was behind. God, I pray that you would stop the enemy who would try to thwart this. That all complaining would cease. That God, you would move in such a way that lives of people are changed. And that's what it's all about. That's what it's always been about. That the mission stays the same. Help this church, God, to move forward. We give you praise and glory today in Jesus' name. Amen.